0: as we practice with looking at our experience, noticing what's arising, and exploring our own experience. It can be useful at times to begin to recognize patterns that happen, things that occur, over and over again and begin to get curious about those patterns what can we learn what can we learn from those patterns and there's one pattern that we all share i'm 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 quite sure that this is one that we all experience all day long, over and over again. And that is the wandering mind. Mindfulness gets lost into something or other and we wake up. And so at some point, I began to explore and get interested in this pattern itself, not not necessarily its particular um, uh, f- its particular manifestations, but but just this phenomenon of the wandering mind. and I uh, found that i could I could reframe it for myself, not as wandering mind but as basically the coming and going of mindfulness and that the investigation around the wandering mind is really an investigation of around mindfulness itself. Being curious about this quality of mindfulness, what is it? What is the experience of Mindfulness. How can we recognize it? Can that support us in cultivating the quality of mindfulness? How can we encourage its continuity? It seems like, to me, there's a lot we can learn in this particular investigation. One of the most obvious things we can learn if we're, if we're just curious about this is that we may begin to recognize patterns within that pattern. The pattern of wandering mind. We may begin to recognize particular ways we get caught, get familiar with our own versions of where we tend to really struggle. We can also start to see How's the volume on this one? Does that sound better? sounds better to me too. (laughs) Another aspect that we can begin to um, recognize in exploring mindfulness itself is we can begin to see that we may have certain beliefs about mindfulness, certain beliefs about the practice that are actually getting in our way. And we also start to see some, a connection to some very deep truths. The deep truth of not-self evident in this pattern of wandering mind. We sit down. I'm going to pay attention. I'm going to be present. And yet the mind wanders. Did you decide to make it wander? Probably not. That's a manifestation of the uncontrollability of the mind. The not-self nature of the mind. Mindfulness itself is a conditioned pattern. It arises based on conditions, it ceases based on conditions. It is not I, it is not me, it is not mine. One paraphrase of one uh, text from the Buddha, something along the lines of, mindfulness is not self. Mindfulness is a mental formation and this quote is about mental formation, so I'll stick mindfulness in there. Mindfulness is not self. If mindfulness were self, it would be possible to say of mindfulness, may my mindfulness be thus. May my mindfulness not be thus. But mindfulness is not self. So it is not possible to say of mindfulness, may my mindfulness be thus. We don't have that control. There's a ways that we can encourage and cultivate the conditions for mindfulness, support its increase, that we can't choose how long it will stay necessarily. And when it disappears, when it vanishes, in some ways even more amazing, Mind is off wandering, fantasizing, arguing, reflecting, remembering, and suddenly we're back. Who did that? And so this exploration around the wandering mind begins to really dive in pretty deeply. And we can also begin to learn about mindfulness itself, the experience of mindfulness. What is it like to be mindful? We know at times I think the emphasis a lot in many forms of meditation is to be interested in the objects when we're what what the experience is when we're mindful. And so often we're more oriented towards the qualities of the experience itself, of the hardness, the softness, the pulsing of the body, color and form and sight, pitch and tone and hearing, the qualities of our mind states. And this is one of the ways in which we can begin to cultivate a stability of mindfulness to be attentive to the uh, experiences itself. But in that we may be missing a a possibility to be curious about mindfulness. Mindfulness is a quality of the mind and can be recognized. And so this is the part of the exploration I'd like to offer this evening. So the other night, in introducing right mindfulness, gave it some simple definitions such as being present, being aware, knowing what's happening while it's happening, but right mindfulness being oriented in a particular direction, with a particular perspective that in particular is interested in understanding suffering, is interested in human experience as human experience. Just the simplicity of, oh, this is what's arising. We talked about that the other day, this mindfulness that brings in a kind of a non-judgmental, non-reactive aspect, an allowing, receptive, um, an allowing um, quality to this ability to know that we know. There's an aspect of our minds, the functioning of our minds that in my own experience early on in my practice, maybe even for the first 10 years or so, there was some confusion around the, the quality or factor in the mind of attention and the quality of mindfulness. I confused these two. And so this is one piece I want to start with before we move into this exploration around the the wandering mind, to point to this quality of attention or this aspect of attention in our minds and to talk a little bit about how it's different from mindfulness. For myself, I I did, um, early in my practice, I used to think that if I wasn't consciously choosing to pay attention to an object, if I wasn't in control of where the attention was, it meant I wasn't being mindful. And so that was, that's a fundamental misunderstanding. The factor of attention, and we can, we can see this in, um, in everyday life. We can recognize that um, attention Attention here is a factor of mind that picks experience out of our the multiplicity of things that could be known, picks something to attend to. So attention lands on some particular experience. So this the factor of attention is this picking of experience out of the field of possible experiences there's n- millions of things probably that could come into our attention that could be uh, connected with in a moment and some aspect of our conditioning points points us to some particular experience to pay attention to now that choosing that attending to something in this uh, this kind of very pure definition of attention does not have to be something we're doing. And we can see this in daily life, how attention functions, and can see that attention and mindfulness are different. In the simple example of perhaps a time when you recognized that you walked down the hill to go to the dining hall and got halfway through putting food on your plate and then realized you'd been completely lost in thought, unaware, really, of the walking down the hill or putting food on your plate until that moment that mindfulness returned. And so in that mindfulness returning and the recognition that the mind had been lost there, we can see something was paying attention some part of our mind was attending to the walk down the hill or we would have just been running into other people and falling off the right edge of the path. We would have maybe, you know, um, we wouldn't have been able to put our food on our plate without having some attention. And so attention can be there without mindfulness and attention can be there without our choosing it. And so, uh, so there's this this factor of attention that we can uh, that the mind can aim at something, and that factor of attention is amenable to um, what we what we could call kind of familiarly conscious choice. And so we can, you know, with a, a sense of agency choose to pay attention. We can, we can sit down and choose to pay attention to the breath for a certain period of time. We can't be there for the entire sitting, probably, but we can direct aim our attention to an experience. And so that's the factor of attention where we are, we are choosing. We are choosing to pay attention. And this is where I think mindfulness and attention get a little confused, At least in my experience, those two aspects get a little confused. Because of the instructions, pick something to pay attention to, I I felt like, okay, if I wasn't picking that thing to pay attention to, then I wasn't being mindful. But then as I began to practice more and really began to explore open awareness more, I began to be more curious about kind of settling back, not consciously choosing not consciously choosing what to pay attention to, but allowing the conditions of experience to choose what to pay attention to. This is one way to describe open awareness. We settle back. We've described it kind of in a, in a kind of a familiar way or in a kind of a, a descriptive way, we could say. Settle back and receive experience. You don't have to pick an experience. You can just settle back and notice what comes to you. In that coming to you, that is essentially uh, conditions from the past of our uh, our conditioning, uh, aiming our attention in some way. And we we are consciously not choosing what to pay attention to. And so sometimes the open awareness practice where we are kind of stepped back and receiving and not aiming to a particular anchor, in that open awareness practice, one way to describe it would be following the attention. The attention will shift from object to object. And we might be able to kind of stay connected to where that attention shifts. I described this experience of following the attention to my teacher, Saido Utegeniya. And he got very excited and he said, oh yes, yes, it's just like walking a dog. You have a dog on the leash and that dog will go off here and smell this thing and that thing and it's just jumping all over the place but you've got it on the leash and so it's not going to go too far. And' so that's your job just to hold on to the leash, and so that's kind of it's kind of similarly like surfing or or riding in a way the where the attention goes, although it doesn't always necessarily feel smooth or it doesn't always necessarily feel like it's a it's a it's a smooth shift from thing to thing, sometimes it can feel more jumpy attention pops from thing to thing, and so Mindfulness can be aware of this shifting attention. And this is an aspect that comes into play as we begin to explore the wandering mind. Because essentially, when the mind wanders, the attention has picked up on something The attention has gotten interested in something. Conditions have directed the attention to something. And we haven't noticed that. Mindfulness hasn't noticed that. The mind wanders. And so this this framing around attention is just a a piece I wanted to start with. The first aspect of the wandering mind that I'd like to explore and the easiest place to explore really is the most one of the most familiar meditation experiences we have that of recognizing that we've been lost that moment when oh I was thinking or planning or judging all of those um, recognitions that that Brian pointed to around thinking this morning. Often when we wake up, not always by any means, but often when we wake up, when the mindfulness returns, thinking has been one of the main ways that the mind has wandered. And so in that moment, we're often oriented towards... We often have a relationship to that moment. Anybody recognize that sense of... Exasperation or frustration or disappointment or something that the mind had wandered. One alternative way to explore that moment is first of all, mindfulness has to return before you can even notice that you've been thinking. So mindfulness returns. And that's, sometimes we can just get curious about that. What is it like for mindfulness to come back? What is that experience when mindfulness returns? It's it's so common. It's so familiar. But we're more, we're, most of, mostly what happens there is either we're oriented towards the thing that we've been aware of, whatever we'd wandered to, or we're judging ourselves. And that judging kind of will um, block the possibility of being aware of the experience of mindfulness in that moment. So this, being curious about this moment of waking up, it's an amazing moment. It's completely effortless mindfulness. You did not have anything to do with it. It just happened. And as I began exploring that moment and the effortless quality of it, it really began to give me a flavor of what it's like, what it means. To be aware in in an effortless way. Not trying to hold on to mindfulness. In that moment it's it's like a free gift of a moment of mindfulness. And if we're curious about that moment rather than judging ourselves for not having been mindful the moment before and that moment's already gone anyway if we're curious about this moment of Mindfulness returning and that effortless quality there. There's what what I've seen happening is that getting familiar with that experience of mindfulness returning. It's like it begins to point out, point itself out when it happens. happens a lot way more than you probably think and we can begin to really appreciate that here on retreat in particular and as we get familiar with that kind of waking up that that experience of of waking up and in that moment as mindfulness returns there's there's um a kind of a away sometimes not always but sometimes we can see a kind of contrast between this moment when mindfulness is present and there's a lingering kind of sense or flavor or taste or memory of what it was like a moment before when mindfulness was not there and that contrast between non-mindfulness And mindfulness begins to highlight for us that experience of the mindfulness returning, that effortless mindfulness returning. We begin to get attuned to it. It's like mindfulness begins to get attuned to itself through this exploration. And as mindfulness gets attuned to itself, or as the the mind begins to get more familiar with that quality of the, the mindfulness returning, the mind recognizes it more often. And you may start to recognize that while you're walking down that hill, largely lost in thought, there are these little bursts, little pop-ins of mindfulness. But often what happens is when mindfulness pops in, is that mindfulness kind of surfaces and it's, it often... Uh, will connect to some experience through some kind of attention to something, and as it connects to that thing it 's often the the habit there is to start thinking about that thing we see a the uh, no, the worms we see worms on the road we we start thinking about the worms we we see other people walking down the hill and we start judging or Thinking about what they're doing, or so the the often when that moment of mindfulness con- returns, or or mindfulness kind of begins to come to the surface, there it gets pulled back under because we get interested in the thing that we've we've have woken up to, and so as we can be curious about that moment, it it begins to um, it's, it's almost like the Those little bubble ups of mindfulness begin it's the 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 mind the mind the mind begins to recognize them sooner as they begin to bubble up. And so we see more of them. You get more moments of that effortless mindfulness. Free mindfulness. (laughs) You don't have to work for it. Such a relief. We usually do cultivate mindfulness. There's something called prompted mindfulness, where when we are mindful, we basically remind ourselves to be mindful. And that's how a lot of our meditation works. We're mindful and we, recognize, you know, OK, be aware. Connect to this next breath, in-breath. Can I do it the next breath? We talked about that kind of do it again. And again, this light touch, light touch, half a breath, this experience, this experience. That's prompting mindfulness because we are mindful and we're reminding ourselves, essentially reminding ourselves to be mindful. The only way that's going to work is when mindfulness is already present. And so we have to have these spontaneous moments of mindfulness to even get the prompted mindfulness going. And so the more we can recognize these moments of spontaneous mindfulness, the more we have the opportunity to encourage that cultivation of mindfulness. And it, it is, at least in my experience, the, the recognition of that moment of mindfulness returning, the familiarizing with that, is a way of cultivating mindfulness, too. Because, again, we're, we're getting more sensitive to that. And so we, we become aware of it more often. For myself, as I did this exploration of noticing this, I, at one point on one three-month course at, at IMS, I kind of um, just set the intention to uh, you know, to see if I could notice that moment of mindfulness returning. And so there's a lot of curiosity about, about that moment. And you know, how, how, how early can I see that moment happening? It's not something you can try to do, right? Because you're not in charge at that point. But sometimes we can set an intention and just be curious about it. And that curiosity may really support a reduction of judging mind around the waking up. It certainly did for me. Really cut through that tendency to think it was a problem that my mind had been wandering. Because every time the mind wandered, it was another opportunity, whenever the mind woke up, to experience that effortless mindfulness and be curious about it. Get to know that difference between being lost and being mindful. And so in that moment when mindfulness returns, notice that you're aware in a very simple way. Oh, this is awareness. And what is obvious in that moment? There's, there is this... The, the mindfulness is this knowing that we know and the mindfulness knows something. And so what is it that this mindfulness is already aware of as it's returning? Maybe it's the thought. Maybe it's interested in that quality of the brightening of the mind as mindfulness is returning. Maybe it's knowing a fear or a or a peace, or an ease. So what is what is there already in that moment of mindfulness returning? You are already mindful in that moment. Often in these instructions we, we say, and, and in the beginning when we're encouraging, stabilizing the mind around the anchor of the attention to cultivate some concentration, we often say, you know, when the mindfulness, uh, when you notice that you've been thinking, note thinking and then return to the breath. And in my beginning years, I thought that meant basically that come back to mindfulness, come back to directing the attention. And I had completely lost that I was already mindful. When mindfulness returns, we are already aware what is there. Already In that moment, when we know what's, what, what, what it is already what, what's already present, what we're already aware of, it may be possible I mean, it may be that we, we are just curious about following the attention at that point, or we may choose at that point, to return to an anchor. But at that point, we, we have some because mindfulness is there, and we can draw upon our wisdom we can make a skillful choice. What's supportive in this moment? And then we can explore from the other side of the wandering mind, where does mindfulness get lost? And so this sometimes is a little more challenging because it's where the mindfulness is slipping out. And sometimes people... Uh, feel like well it's either here or it's gone and I can't see it going but actually we can we can be curious about that sometimes we have to start being curious about that by basically noticing in retrospect when and where we got lost but getting curious again I really want to encourage the sense of curiosity around this Exploration, not a judgment the mindf- mind is getting lost and I, I'm also really wanting to encourage not a, a sense of um, doubling down to try to hold the attention to something because there's a lot to be learned by seeing exploring the possibility of mindfulness kind of uh, f- following that where the mind is going, as it, as it slips out, as it gets lost. There's a lot that we can learn about that. And about the mind there, we can learn a lot about our minds. And so this exploration of where the mindfulness gets lost, what I'm not, I'm not encouraging here is to try to hold to some object but rather to be curious when you recognize certain patterns, where your mind gets lost, be curious in those times to see what happens there. How does it happen? What is being missed? And as I think I said earlier, that when the mind wanders, there's something that the attention has picked up on that we have not seen. And that's where the mind slips out sometimes that thing that the attention picks up on that we've not seen is some old habit that's just got so much momentum to going go wandering out that that's why the mind wanders but a lot as we as the practice deepens there are a lot of new experiences subtle experiences deepenings of the practice where the mind is is slipping out partly because the, the, the mindfulness is beginning to, the, the mindfulness is beginning to orient towards subtler experience. And we may not be quite able to recognize it. So I'll try to describe some of this, but I'll just go through a few places, ways we might lose awareness, and just to encourage, encourage some curiosity in these areas. And so you, you might notice after the fact, for instance, that you're losing awareness in sp- particular activities that you do, maybe places that you go. So check it out. Do you tend to, to lose your awareness when you go to the dining hall? Do you tend to lose your awareness while you're in the meal line and then get it back when you put your plate down on the table? Do you tend to lose mindfulness when you go into your room? Close that door. Yeah, Whew. Nobody looking. <laughs> I don't have to be mindful now. Do you lose mindfulness uh, when you go to the bathroom or when you do your yogi job or when you take a walk for, um, for exercise as opposed to doing formal practice? Where are the activities? What are the activities in which you tend to lose mindfulness? And you don't have to stop doing those things. I mean, I don't want you to stop going to the bathroom. I don't want you to stop going to your room or going to the dining hall. But being curious about what happens there. You go into those rooms, what happens? So it's like, likely that as you go through the day, and, and that's the first thing we can kind of be curious about, is where are the holes in mindfulness? Where are the gaps? And then in the, as you notice where the gaps are, so if you notice that you're, you tend to lose mindfulness when you go into your room or when you go into the dining hall, you can be curious. And um, as you're approaching your room or approaching the dining hall, again, not doubling down or trying to hold to the mindfulness there, but, but curious, what happens? Maybe I'll be able to see it this time. Approaching the door, I'm mindful as I open the door. Okay, I'm here, I'm mindful, walking in the door. And then three minutes later, what happened? I missed something. Okay, and, and not to beat yourself up about that, not to judge yourself about that. This is, this, is, this is normal. This is how we can learn about where our minds get caught. And so just the next time you go into your room, you know, be curious what happens. Often with something like that, it's some it's some task. Tasks that we have to do are often places where the mind gets lost. We think of something that we have to do and the mindfulness gets lost. Now, it's not necessary for mindfulness to get lost as we think of a task and start to do it. But it's kind of a habitual pattern. And such so curiosity there, curiosity about that. We can perhaps begin to learn something about intention in here because, at least in my experience, um, um, in, in losing um, mindfulness in activities or things that I'm doing, it's often some intention to do something that is missed. The intention to look in the mirror when I'm washing my hands. Missing that intention. At one point, I was investigating and exploring. I woke up over and over again staring at myself in the mirror, not seeing how that had happened. And it was simply not seeing the intention to look up. It wasn't like some deep, you know, childhood thing of needing to be seen. <laughs> it was just an intention, a habit almost, of looking at myself in the mirror. That's all it was, but but that in that habit, there was a loss of mindfulness. So just curiosity about these different um, activities where you might lose mindfulness. We might also lose mindfulness in um, states of mind, familiar habits or patterns that There's, I, I'm not going to be able to cover all the different ways I have in my notes here. I can see I'm not going to be able to get through all of the different things I have for where we might lose awareness. So I'll just pick a few of them here. Losing awareness and states of mind. And these will tend to be ones that we um, are habitually hooked to. And so again, we might notice in retrospect, waking up. When we notice the waking up, the moment of waking up, we may notice, uh, as we recognize particular patterns of thinking, for example, as Brian was pointing to this morning, planning or judging or remembering, you know, those, those might point to states of mind that are associated with them. Um, anxiety or curiosity or fear or something that uh, is happening. So that when we wake up into that, those thoughts, sometimes in the moment of waking up, whatever we wake up into may be something that we habitually, a state of mind that we habitually would get lost in. And we may begin to recognize this for ourselves, you know, begin to recognize that we habitually get lost in boredom or depression or anger or confusion, that these are states in which we tend to kind of spiral into the into the quicksand and lose mindfulness. And so, in the returning, in the in the mindfulness waking up, the moment when mindfulness returns into something like boredom, uh, in something like um, depression, again, that's that's a pointing to that. That's a moment of mindfulness of something where you habitually aren't mindful. Another another state of mind that we might habitually not be mindful in or get lost in is is sleepiness or spaciness. These states that we basically attribute non-mindfulness to. We think, perhaps, that a spaced out mind is inherently non-mindful or that a sleepy mind is inherently non-mindful. And it is, it is just, that's not true. It is a state in which we are habitually not mindful. But it is possible to be mindful of spacing out. And the moment of waking up, the moment when the mind returns. So when, one day um, I was observing this happen over and over again. I was trying to be mindful of eating and kept noticing the mind spacing out. And what I was doing initially was just come back to the eating, just pay attention to that eating, almost trying to double down and force myself to be with the eating because I kind of thought, well, spacing out, not mindful. But at some point it happened enough and in the moment of waking up there can be a sense of the quality of the mind in that spacing out. And so got curious about that and got a little flavor of that mind, of just like a sense of like floating mind, a mind that is stepped back from sense experience. And then at one point, I kind of saw the mind the the, the mind kind of shift into that space, that floating space that was disconnected from sense experience. And so there wasn't a lot of sense experience, but the mind was completely aware of that state. Mindfulness of spacing out. In that particular story, there's another kind of interesting uh, learning that I had with that particular Uh, that particular experience as I was exploring the mind losing awareness. So noticing it kind of gets spaced out and and coming back, spacing out, coming back, finally being able to watch it space out. Wow, that's cool. Actually, it was really pleasant. (laughs) It was so restful. The mind was just completely relaxed and very mindful And then the, uh, the sense impressions came back and the mind was still very re- relaxed. It was almost as if what was going on, the interpretation I gave to this, I, don't, I can't really say this interpretation is true, but my sense was that the mind was tired of having me drag it back to paying attention to the eating <laughs> and it wanted to rest. And it was going to take its rest whether I let it or not. took its rest. And and after about 30 seconds of just hanging out there and that spacing out it was like the mind was like oh, okay, yeah. Whew. Ready to be present again. And then there was the, the eating and knowing, the seeing and hearing and it was effortless knowing. So you know this this kind of uh, exploration can really has been a real doorway for me towards less effortful practice because i you know not trying to to hold the mind still but just being curious where does it go where does it slip out and again, in, in losing um, awareness in familiar states of mind, such as boredom or depression, you know that, that you might begin to recognize that you tend to get lost in those states. And again, kind of like with the with the um, noticing that you get lost in particular places, activities, physical activities, you may recognize at certain points that. Oh, boredom is here. And you may be able to recognize, oh, boredom, yep, boredom, mindful of boredom, aware of this, knowing it. And the, this, the recognition or the, the, the learning of, oh, this is one I tend to get lost in. Something happens in boredom that, that the mind gets hooked in it. So what is that? What happens there? One um, exploration there, if you start to begin to be present at the beginning of states of mind where you tend to get lost. So, you know, you wake up into, you, you're aware of boredom as it begins to arise and you're knowing it and you're you're looking at other experience and then, yep, boredom's there. Um, so you're, you're, you're not lost yet. In that early stage of boredom when you um, before before you get lost there's a tool that I find useful at that point to help potentially expose some of the undercurrents where we might get caught and that is to um, be curious about what kind of beliefs or views are happening what's being believed right now just Ask ask that question, drop that question in. And you don't have to try to figure out the answer. In fact, it's not helpful to try to figure out the answer. It's more just dropping that question in and seeing if it supports or evokes the recognition of some view or idea or opinion for myself around depression, for instance. I spent one long stretch of time I- in Burma looking at this low grade, a low grade depression that was over several weeks. It was pretty persistent. It came and went, but I just noticed it and, and began at some point to recognize the belief was that I thought it was a problem. Such a simple belief but everything that i had been doing the investigation itself the kind of the 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 way i was paying attention to it was all in the service of figuring out what was wrong as opposed to simply oh this is depression not a problem it's just what's arising oh it's passing okay oh it's arising it's passing it's arising it's passing when, when the mind began to recognize that view, it's a problem. The, the state itself became so fluid. Before I really noticed that, I believed it was a problem. It was like that belief that it was a problem locked the depression into place, made it seem much more stable. As soon as I noticed that view, Depression came and went and came and went, came and went. It was stunning how fast it happened. So this, um, a way in which we can get hooked and lost in states of mind is because there's some view or belief that's operating that's not seen. So that question can sometimes help us to recognize a belief that's operating. We also can... Lose awareness as our practice deepens. There's certain times in practice that this is part of what we have to learn to watch and be curious about. So, a couple of different ways this can happen. sometimes we might notice that after a period of time when the mind seemed pretty stable, and mindfulness pretty stable, pretty continuous, suddenly it seems like, where did the mindfulness go? Like, I can't, I, I sit down and I try to meditate and it's like, <sighs> mindfulness wanders, mind wanders. Or sometimes there's um, a kind of a... After a period of time where there's a stability of mind, it seems like the hindrances just surge in. One teacher described this pattern. Michelle McDonald described this pattern of a kind of... The practice cycle between purity and purification. Purity being where the mind is at ease, calm, seems like no problem, nothing wrong, (laughs) just able to be with what's arising, kind of the recognition of the absence of the hindrances and the recognition that reactivity isn't coming up around things I'm used to reacting to. So that place where the mind seems really stable and in ease and peace and Wholesome qualities are beginning to strengthen and then suddenly it seems like we're just flooded with hindrances. This pattern happens to us over and over again. My kind of understanding of it is that we see through certain kinds of clinging and begin to... uh, you know as, as we as we let go of certain ways that we have habitually been reactive we kind of it's like a, it's like we've got layers and layers and layers and layers of of reactivity and clinging and and we may let go of a of an outer layer and kind of f- really familiar ways that we're reactive and we hold on to things and have the hindrances come up and that layer may begin to, to weaken and drop away for stretches of time. It can feel like we've we've really entered a new space, a new deepening of our practice. And as the mindfulness keeps going, it hits that next layer where there's yet more deeper patterns of deeper conditioning that can be revealed and seen. And so we cycle purity, purification, purity, purification. So this is a, this is not an uncommon thing to happen. And so if you notice that after a period of a few days of real ease and peace that the mind has suddenly gotten very reactive, What I've seen in my own practice in the early years of my practice I spent a lot of time trying to figure out what I'd done wrong beating myself up about the fact that I was now reactive again. I must have done something wrong to have lost that. But what we can instead do perhaps knowing this cycle as I began to understand this cycle that reactivity to the shift from purity to purification began to Get much less, and so it's just like, oh, oh, it's a new level of clinging here. Okay, curiosity about that, and it's not easy to let go or to <laughs> to let go of the, that piece. <laughs> but this is what's arising now, and it's not a mistake. Another thing that can happen as um, the, the practice deepens is that the, um, the experience or I don't know exactly what's happening here but the way it feels is that the mindfulness is noticing experience. It's noticing the breath for example. And it's really, it gets really familiar with particular qualities and sensations of the breath. And it's like the object and the mindfulness are right in sync. Every breath, all of those sensations are right there and you can just hang with that breath. And then because because the mindfulness is strengthening and getting more continuous, my sense actually is that as the mindfulness gets more continuous, there's something, um, it's it's like it gets it gets interested or drawn down to a subtler level of experience. So there's some, there's some kind of orientation of the, of the attention to subtler experience as the mindfulness gets more continuous. Only our agenda is to pay attention to this, because this is what we're familiar with, to pay attention to that familiar experience. And when there's a mismatch between what we think we should pay attention to and what the attention is naturally drawn to, The mind can get lost. So for myself in in one uh, sitting at IMS, a couple of days where the mindfulness just got right into the breath. I could sit down and the mind was with the breath for the whole sitting. It was effortless. It was easy. And then the next day, that one day, you know, three days into this, next day I sit down, the first sitting of the day, one breath and the mind's wandering. Another breath, the mind's wandering. It was like I had no control, no capacity to stay with the breath. And I got, I, was, I had enough experience there to not beat myself up, but to begin to recognize, again, if you notice the mind starts to wander a lot after a period where there's been stability of mindfulness, it usually means there's a shift in the practice. Something new is being revealed. Something new is happening. And so I got curious, what's happening here? What new is happening? And what I began to recognize is that, so it's like I I watched that breath. And as I watched that breath, what I was familiar with is like as soon as I touched the breath, it was like all the sensations disappeared. They were just like vanishing, those sensations. And I didn't quite know how to meet that. At one point with one teacher, I, with one of my Burmese teachers, I described that. And he said, you just have to, just have to recognize there's no sensation. I was like, oh. <laughs> I was trying to find the sensations. He says, just know they're not there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can do that. So, so you know, it's, again, I was looking for something that I was familiar with to pay attention to. And he pointed me to the reduction of sensation, the, 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 the disappearance of sensation. The other, another experience that uh, can happen as the practice deepens that's useful to um, explore is again noticing when the 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 mindfulness lets go of some experience. So maybe you're paying attention to hearing or you know, you're, you're, there's something that the attention is connected with. And this is, this is noticing that where the attention, the attention shifts to something else, essentially. So it's really picking up on that shift of mindfulness, moving to some other experience. Only this is, this is uh, not seeing that it's landing on something else. This is seeing the release from something that we 're familiar with, so as an example, um, at one point, I, again, doing br- breath meditation, I was paying attention to the breath, and I, I began noticing that I could see the mind the mindfulness weakening around the breath it was like it was like I could feel the mindfulness let go of the breath, and at first, what I did with that was, oh mindfulness is letting go, oh, just connect with the breath again, and then it would let go it would, it would be, just feel like this kind of a releasing kind of feeling, a release. I would let go and I'd come back to the breath. It would let go and come back to the breath. I would let go, I'd come back to the breath. And at some point, at some point, there was this wisdom that was like, well, it let go. I'm aware that it let go. Let's see where it's going. And that was a an opening into a, a new kind of state that I'd never consciously experienced before. It was a vast kind of space. I had no name for, felt like a new landscape. Again, that's that kind of respect in a way, at certain points, especially as the practice deepens, for being with what the mind is doing. That, in this case, I had the agenda to hold it to the breath. There was something deeper acting, some deeper wisdom that was releasing from the breath and moving in the direction of that spacious, open awareness. It takes trust. To let go and not know where the attention will go. It kind of almost feels like stepping off a cliff to not know. There's a place for that trust at times and we ultimately do have to trust that Because we don't know what freedom looks like. And we have to allow freedom to be revealed. Stepping into that unknown. And so this this exploration around these edges of the wandering mind where it especially as the practice deepens, starts to shift into terrain that's unfamiliar. And I look at that as kind of practice for opening to freedom. Let's sit for a minute. one of the things about this kind of practice of watching where the attention goes. Sometimes we can't, we can maybe set the intention for it, but the activity of trying to do it will get in the way. And so just as you sit here, Open to the possibility that you might notice these shifts of attention. But let go of any doing around it.